In its quest to provide an open forum for discussion of controversial issues, this station allows hosts and their guests to express themselves without any significant censorship. You are advised that any view expressed by the host or their guest are not necessarily the views of the owners or management of Toginet Radio, Togi Entertainment, or the Owners Group, Inc. It's time for Paying It Forward with Josephine Jirasi. Everyone has learned lessons in life during their lifetime. Some good, some bad. But from everyone, there has been something learned. And now it's time to share that knowledge. It's called Paying It Forward. Here, these lessons learned are then paid forward to you. With you paying it forward too. Josephine put her professional career on hold after the birth of her first child and turned her attention to being a full-time mother. Well, three kids later, Josephine started her own company, MyMomKnowsBest.com and Glovies, but was dismayed by a lack of information that people would share to help entrepreneurs be successful. That's where Paying It Forward was born. This is Paying It Forward on Drugginet.com. And now, here's your host, Josephine Jirasi. Well, good morning, everyone. I hope everybody had a great week um, since we were last here on Paying It Forward. And um, since my last show, I was actually the guest on um, Sharon Silver's TogiNet radio show called Getting to the Heart of It. And I would like to share with you a little something. Um, Sharon is so organized. She had uh, me as her guest come up with a little blurb about my biggest lesson in life. And I thought I would pay it forward to my listeners today. So here we go. This is what I wrote. My biggest lesson in life, life that I've learned is that things happen throughout your lifetime. Some things good and some things not so good. But your character is defined with how you handle the situation. You have a choice. When good things happen, you can either just take it for granted or you can stop and try to absorb the the reality that something really special happened. Every day will be an ordinary day unless you make it special. And some days just need to be special days. If, however, life decides to throw you a curveball, once again, you have a choice. You can stay in bed and pull the covers over your head if you don't have kids. Or you can put your shoulders back, stand up straight, and make the most of the situation, knowing that sometimes, just sometimes, not all bad things come to harm you. So that's my little uh, pay it forward little quote that I'd like to share with you today. I'd also like to say thank you so much to my listeners. I am starting to get a lot of fan mail that people are saying they're enjoying the show and they're taking away a lot of business tips, which makes me so happy because that truly was a reason why I designed the show the way that I did. So thanks to all the fans that are sending me the emails. If anybody would like to send me anything, I can be reached at josephine at mymomknowsbest.com. Okay, so now I have a fantastic guest today. I'm really excited. His name is Michael Anthony. And Michael Anthony is truly a very, shall we say, very, very successful business owner. He is the owner of a contracting company that specializes in exterior restoration of high-rise buildings, and he also does the interior renovations of rental units. 
Michael's company has grown to $20 million. Congratulations, Michael. And that all happened in just five years. He holds a BS in accounting. He worked as an accountant for a short period of time. Then he followed his dream and launched a career in the real estate construction industry in 1995. So Michael came from a renovation background where he renovated one and two family homes. What he would do is his company would purchase, renovate, and then sell the homes. In 1997, when he opened his contracting company, there was an upswing in the real estate market and he took full advantage of it. In 2001, he started building new construction projects. He would purchase a site and act as a developer and the builder. After doing that for four years, um, he then started to take on jobs from other clients. In 2005, he started to work as a subcontractor in masonry, restoration industry. Observing that the development markets were going to recede, he moved all of his company efforts to 90% for higher work and 10% in-house development. I can't wait to talk about that, Michael, because that was just so brilliant of you. Well, this move, although premature at the time, is a reason he survived this downturn in the construction and housing industry. His company has found this specialty niche and no longer works as a subcontractor. He made the move to be a prime contractor after two years. The company employed over 280 employees last year during its peak season. This season, he's booked to employ close to 200 employees, depending on the bidding process, the ebbs and flows of that bidding process, and perhaps that number will be even higher. His clients range from publicly traded real estate investment trust to private owners, condo, and co-ops. The company has been involved with landmarked restorations and landmarks new development and has extensive knowledge and skill in balcony restoration. He also has an apartment renovation program that speeds up the turnover of rental units in five to eight days. That's amazing. This quick turnaround time has um, helped his clients increase rents and not lose valuable rental days. So with that, I would like to welcome Michael Anthony to Paying Gift Forward. How are you doing today, Michael? Doing well. Thank you. Thank you for having me on. Well, Michael, thank you so much for taking time out of your really hectic, busy schedule to pay it forward and to share your business lessons learned with our listeners today. So, Michael, how was the introduction? Were you happy with it? <laughs> yeah, uh, I sound uh, like a superstar, but it's just... Um, <laughs> Uh, it seemed to have evolved. You, you don't really realize what's going on as you, you wake up every morning and go to work and good things right. just happen. And it's so funny, Michael. I'm laughing here because when I was a guest last week on a show, to sit back and to kind of listen to somebody give your bio and to really, you know, emphasize your successes, it's kind of nice because how often do we do that for ourselves? And it's almost like, I don't know about you, but I kind of feel like, wow, are they really talking about me? And right. like you said, you know, every day we're too busy doing all the little steps that hopefully add up to the big successes. But anyway, the show's all about you today, Michael. And Thanks. I would love to know. So tell me, 
what you started out as a, in accounting. Funny enough, Michael, so did I. And when I realized, oh my God, this accounting, you, you don't get to talk to people. It's just like you in the books. And I was like, oh my God, I got to get out of this and get out there and meet people. Is that what happened to you too? Correct. Yeah. I had uh, graduated and I'd followed the, the, the course directed by me by immigrant parents of uh, college education and working with the mind as opposed to the hands. And um, after about nine months of, of working for an accounting firm, I, I had I decided that it just wasn't for me. So um, I'd, I'd left and I'd gotten into uh, real estate and construction, uh, started working for a real estate company that, that was doing just that, buying homes and renovating them and reselling them. So, Michael, what did you do? You actually started from the bottom then at that point and learned the business. Is that what happened? Yeah, correct. I, um, I started working for this company and, and handling uh, most of their sales, some of their acquisitions, and, and then just because of my general interest in construction, I don't have any family background in construction. I, have, I had just been interested in it. I kind of took over the renovation portions of that and then duplicated my efforts for myself when I opened up my own company. Oh, that just, that sounds great. You know, um, I love the fact that they always say successful businesses um, happen when the business owner gets their hands really dirty and actually knows how to perform every single aspect of the job. And it sounds like that's how it works so well with you. And lucky enough, you were able to do that for somebody else. And then it sounds like once you perfected it, you were able to go out and feel confident about opening up your own business because you knew if you could do it for somebody else, you could do it for yourself. Correct. I, I, felt, that, uh, I felt that um, I would need to get the experience, and I would do that uh, by working for somebody. And then once I, once I was confident enough in, in myself, which... I thought I was I was confident the the first day I started working, but I, yeah, sometimes you're, you're too green to know how much you don't know. However, once right. I felt confident and uh, I was confident of myself, I then made the you know saved up the capital to go out and and do it on my own. And and a lot of the resources and a lot of the people needed to do that in that business. Uh, most of that that business revolves around turning money, so you know, you cannot go to a conventional lender to borrow money to buy a rundown house they just they, they won't lend it to you especially if you're young and inexperienced so there are lending institutions out there private lending institutions uh they're they're usually uh the phrase is hard money lenders and they'll they'll give you those opportunities to to lend you the money and i i exhausted all of those resources and and it paid off for me oh that that's great michael so um so then you just you started your company, and how did you go about getting like your first clients, your first customers? Well, I would prospect. Uh, my main business was buying um, one and two family homes and renovating them and reselling them. So I would prospect uh, the real estate market, and I would look for the the most rundown homes, and I would prospect real estate agents and brokers because those are the ones that are pretty much on the those are the people on the front line of finding the particular deal that you might want. Um, you know, you can give them financial incentives. You, you find me this house that needs renovation, 
I'll relist it with you. You know, their goal is to sell property. So if you can promise them a listing or give them a listing agreement after the house is renovated, they might tend to call you before they call another client. So you, I tried to motivate the, 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 the sales force that didn't even work for me uh, right. and use them to my benefit by, you know, uh, dangling that, that financial carrot of, I'll relist the house with you. And that, that tends to work, you know, that would work because the brokers would call me. I was always fair with them. I never uh, negotiated their commissions. Uh, sometimes I would overpay them, you know, uh, right. give them bonus commissions if they sold the property or found a, well, a good property. Well, Michael, I'm going to have you wait right there because we're coming up to our break real quick. But this sounds so great because I would love to talk about working on your business as opposed to working in your business and it sounds like that's exactly what you did. So we'll be back shortly. Thanks, Michael. We'll be right back with more Paying It Forward with Josephine Girasi right after these on Toginet.com. Critical thinking in the real world. What does it take to get ahead and stay ahead of the curve in this ever-changing world around us? Critical thinking in the real world with Janet Hens. Wednesdays at 1 p.m. Central on Toginet. Starting November 4th, Janet Hens is a college instructor, speaker, writer, wife, and mother of three young children. She also has her Master's of Arts in writing from Johns Hopkins University. Janet began her career working for a congressman on Capitol Hill, then moved over to lobbying when he retired. It was through these jobs that she learned about the power of grassroots initiatives, media relations, and public speaking. And then she honed these skills when she became a college instructor. Today, she artfully balances work with full-time motherhood. In the show, Critical Thinking in the Real World, Janet will discuss hot topics and the critical thinking necessary to assess them. Her passion for education impacts her daily life and she'll share that in every show. Critical thinking in the real world with Janet Hens Wednesdays at 1 p.m. Central starting November 4th on toginet.com Believe in your fairy tale to make your zing come true. I love it. Debbie Glickman and Deanna Cohen know it. Join these soul sisters Tuesday afternoons at 2, 1 Central, part of the Her Inside Network on toginet.com. Believe in your fairy tale to make your zing come true. Showcases two sides. One, to help entrepreneurs showcase their products and tell their story of their happily ever after. And two, to interview people who have realized their own fairy tale and doing something to benefit others. This show is here to help folks who have an idea and want to get it off the ground, as well as to inspire inspire people to make the world a better place by doing something extraordinary or out of the box to help others. Both of these entrepreneurs have their own businesses and websites. With more information on their passions and successes, first for Debbie, FairytaleWishesInc.com. And for Deanna, TheNextBigZing.com. Believe in your fairy tale to make your zing come true. With the Soul Sisters, Debbie Glickman and Deanna Cohen. Tuesday afternoons at 2, 1 p.m. Central. Part of the Her Insight Network on toginet.com. Welcome back to Paying It Forward, the show dedicated to helping every entrepreneur be more successful as we discuss accomplishments, lessons learned, and sharing those ideas. Now, let's get back to Paying It Forward with Josephine Girasi on toginet.com. Well, hi, everyone. Um, it's Josephine again, and we have Michael Anthony, who is the owner of a contracting company, and we were just talking about how important it is to work on your business and not in your business. Now, I had previously said it was so important to learn all the aspects of how to run your business, and sometimes it means doing the job itself, which it sounds like that's what Michael did, 
And then he went out and he opened up his own company. But now he was just explaining to us how he went out and hired salespeople. And sometimes he paid them a premium in order to get what he really needed out of them. So, Michael, why don't you take it from there? The the uh, you had asked me uh, the base question was regarding clientele and, and and in my initial entry into the business of buying and renovating and reselling, the real clients were, were the salespeople because they're the ones that are going to give you product to renovate and they're also going to move the product for you. So the the way to motivate any salesperson is is money. Uh, there are other ways to motivate them. Obviously, if they work for you. However, since I was basically floating from a real estate office to real estate office looking for deals, they weren't they weren't employed by me. I mean, so I had to I had to offer them the listing and different motivating ways of of giving them sales bonuses. So that they were essentially my client, although the person buying the house was ultimately my client, but the the frontline client was the salespeople. I had to I had to put these pieces of a sales team in order and then financing in order and then the final piece of the puzzle would be the construction. So once I attained my financing source and I knew that I had the money to acquire, let's say, 20 houses, then I would need the sales force to find the 20 houses and to resell the 20 houses and then I would need the construction component to renovate the houses. So uh, I kind of put together this this model uh of what I had to put to, of what I had to assemble to accomplish my ultimate goal. Okay, that sounds great. And Michael, I'm just curious. Business plans are so important, but it sounds like that was your business plan. And some people have a business plan written on one piece of paper. And I can almost envision that this model that you came up with can fit on one piece of a yeah. eight and a half by eleven, and that's your business. Plan. Am I correct? Yeah, that was, it was a real simple plan. Um, the, the 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 key to the plan was moving the product as, as quick as possible because your financing sources are very expensive. So the, the 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 longer it takes you to renovate the product and to resell the product, and the, the product being a home, um, the more interest you're going to pay. And since I started it when I was young, I was obvi- I was obviously borrowing you know, lots, large quantities of the money. So the, the longer I held things, the, the more it would cost me. So my, my, that, it, it'll all fit on a piece of paper very quickly, but it, the, the sheer speed of what had to get done, which then drove me more, and that's what got me more involved into construction because the real delay in this whole process is the construction process. And um, I hired a couple of uh, construction subcontractors in the beginning, and they would hold me up. And then I realized, well, my 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 weak point, uh, what's what's failing in this equation, is the fact that I have no control over the construction labor. They'll tell me they're coming, they're not coming, they're at another job, they take a deposit, you don't see them for a week. So I I had seen this flaw in my plan, and I then developed my own work. I, I put together uh, and employed probably about nine people in the beginning. I invested in, a, in a, some, some machinery, some equipment, a truck, and I started getting heavily involved in the construction portion of it because that was really where I was going to, A, 
save money because I was going to do the work myself. B, control my time frame, which would also save me money in interest. So thereby, I was making the profit that the contractor was making that I was hiring, and I was saving interest. So that, that was kind of the launching of the construction portion of, of my career. Yeah, see, I think that's great, Michael, because one of my recent guests, Jeff Leventhal, he's also an extremely successful business owner like yourself. One thing he said that really resonates within myself is that the one thing you can never get back is time. And I love the fact that you were able to control that time frame now. You didn't have to depend on other people. And like you said, you were able to save a lot of money in the process. And by saving money, you're actually making money. And, you know, that's probably has a lot to do with the success of your business. Correct. If, if, if I saved time in the construction, thereby saving interest, it also created uh, more of a stable sales environment for me because what was happening is when I was losing a lot of time, I would then quickly sell the home because uh, I, I had to. I had to take maybe the, the, the first or second offer that somebody would give me, and I could possibly have gotten a little bit more if it was marketed a little bit longer or marketed a little bit better. So it, it, it prevented those fire sale situations because that saved money, bought me more of a cushion in time, and thereby helping me with the marketability. I was less desperate to sell the home. So when, you, when, you're, when you're less desperate to do anything, you make better choices. Right. I agree. And that's why it's so important, like you said, about the financing. I mean, when you're starting out any kind of business and you need financing, they always say, get the financing before you really need it because when you get desperate, it's that much more expensive. So Correct. I think you're, you're really right. So, um, so, Michael, I wanted to talk about something. When I was reading your bio, I thought it was really interesting. Um, the part about when you took a different turn in the market, when in 2005 you started your subcontractor in masonry, restoration industry, and then observing that the development markets were going to recede, you moved all of your company efforts to 90% for higher work and 10% in-house development. Did you really see that coming? Did you see? I, I did. Like, I did. I saw. I. Uh, uh, I was so. I was so in, ingrained in the business and had my ear to the track that uh, I prematurely saw it coming, which which hurt me a little bit because uh, if I would have wrote it out a little bit longer, there was definitely more money to be made. So I definitely left some money on the table. Uh, I probably I pulled up the parachute cord a little too fast. However. Um, look, hindsight, uh, I'm glad that I did pull the parachute court when I did because it gave me enough time to kind of remobilize to a for-hire construction company, um, which I needed. I needed that two-year lag period to develop clientele because at that point, I was only doing work for myself. I was only renovating homes that I bought, and I was only building new homes on property that I bought. So my, my whole construction company was only doing work for me. Um, I was reading, I, I wish I remember the name of the book. I was reading a financial book and it was depicting the real estate crash and the, and the banking crisis 
that we had under the Carter administration. And um, aside from me having the gut feeling, seeing the market changing, when I was reading this book, uh, there was a lot of uh, similar parallels in that the book's description of the real estate market during those tough times during the Carter administration and what we were going through in, let's say, 2005, 2006. So though, the, although I, I had seen it myself, the book magnified the situation for me, and I kind of said, well, i got to take this company into a little bit of a different direction, and I started seeking out for hire work, and, and that, would, that was my main focus. And at the same time, I was eliminating housing inventory and not starting any new projects. So there, there was a good – that year transition for me – was definitely not a profitable year. You know, I downshifted from, let's say, sixth gear to second gear, but um, that year saved my business because the way my business was prior to this housing crisis, uh, I would be out of business right now. Yeah, I think that that was just such a smart move. And um, sometimes you have to make that shift. And as business owners, I mean... Nobody has it written down for us. We've got to figure it out on our own. And sometimes it could be really scary. And I'll tell you, recently I was quoted in an article um, online. Carol, Carol Roth had written this article. And it, she was talking about business plan mistakes, mishaps, blunders, and errors. And um, she had quoted me, and it was kind of interesting because... They asked you, so what's the one thing? I'll just read my quote here. It says, the one thing I've learned from businesses I've started is no matter how hard you work on your business plan, you must be flexible and willing to shift gears when necessary. It doesn't matter if you think um, you've correctly defined your niche as X if your customers are saying it's really Y. Don't be afraid to shift gears if necessary because change is good. Having an open mind and taking action quite often brings success to businesses. So be brave and shift gears swiftly. So that was my little quote, Michael, and I, I thought <laughs> it went, I mean, how perfect. It goes with it's very exactly, appropriate, yeah. exactly what you were just talking about. And um, like I said, sometimes it could be really scary, but you just have to feel in your gut. I'm sure you felt it in your gut that you needed to make that change, Correct. Yeah, that was my initial feeling. Like I said, the the book just magnified it, and and that's another uh, another point of mine is I I immerse myself in education. Although I I graduated college, uh, nineteen ninety four, I'm <laughs> constantly taking courses, classes, and reading uh, anything I get my hands on to improve my knowledge of my particular industry and yeah. uh, business. Uh, in, in a macro setting and in a micro setting. So I'm yeah. always involved in, in educating myself, and, and I've also brought it to, my, to the level of my current company in, in management. I'm constantly enrolling my uh, project leaders, my project management team in courses, so they're, they're constantly taking classes because I, I feel that education is yeah. very important. It's so smart. We're coming up to a break in just 15 seconds, but... I agree with you 100% about um, education. It's just so, so smart because what happens is you run your business more efficiently the smarter your you know management is. So anyway, we're coming up to a break. And Michael, I can't wait to talk about one of your favorite um, books that you've read 
Peace. We'll be back shortly. We'll be right back with more Paying It Forward with Josephine Girasi right after these on Toginet.com. It's time to capture the simple piece of the Amish in your own life. Amish Wisdom with Suzanne Woods Fisher. Thursday afternoons at 5, 4 Central, part of the Her Insight Network. Each week, Suzanne will have conversations with guests about living a life that incorporates principles of the Amish without going Amish. She'll cover the practical, simplicity, slowing down, reducing clutter, putting the brakes on materialism, the historical, how have the Amish survived for 400 years, how can we hold on to what we hold dear, and the spiritual, treasuring important values, honoring the past, and increasing peace of mind. You don't have to become Amish to make personal peace a reality. Amish wisdom will help all of us live a simpler life. For more information, go to SuzanneWoodsFisher.com. With Amish wisdom, Suzanne offers us a glimpse into a world of peace, serenity, and total commitment to family and God. This show just might change the way you live your life. It's Amish wisdom with Suzanne Woods Fisher. Thursday afternoons at 5, 4 Central, part of the Her Insight Network on Toginet.com. Get a jump on what your preschool kids need to know with Let's Get Ready for Kindergarten from Stacy Cannonberg. A mom told me this is the book I've been looking for. This book gives me all the information I need about what my kids need to know. And a private school admissions director said this is exactly what we test on. Google it, get it, and get ahead. Let's Get Ready for Kindergarten. Applauded and approved by parents and educators. Let's Get Ready for Kindergarten is a state-approved teaching tool. On sale now, in stores, or online at cedarvalleypublishing.com. Welcome back to Paying It Forward, the show dedicated to helping every entrepreneur be more successful as we discuss accomplishments, lessons learned, and sharing those ideas. Now, let's get back to Paying It Forward with Josephine Girasi on toginet.com. Welcome back, everyone. I have Michael Anthony, um, who is the owner of his own contracting company. And Michael was telling us um, how important it is to really stay on top of your market. It means reading every trade, trade magazine out there you can get your hands on, reading you know, business books out there that um, might help you with your way of thinking, how to run your business. And Michael, you were also mentioning how you think it's so important to educate your top management to help run your business more smoothly. But I'm so curious. So, Michael, can I ask you, what book are you reading now? Do you have any good business books that uh, we'd like to know about? The uh, the book I'm reading now is uh, is called actually The Wolf of Wall Street. I, I don't know if it's really a good business book. One of the reasons why I'm reading it is a friend of mine had told me it's uh, it's about a, it's about a young man who had a lot of success in the, in the brokerage world and it led him to break a lot of laws. He, he ended up in the, in, in a federal penitentiary for a couple of years. However, um, the, the stories are interesting and it, uh, one of the main reasons why I'm reading it is just to see how, uh, he dealt with this newfound money and newfound success. So, you know, I, I try to get different things out of different books. I mean, I, um, I'm not even in that business, uh, nor am I planning on, going into a federal penitentiary. However, the interesting aspects of the book are um, I, I'm dealing with some, of, with some of those issues in my own personal life with newfound success and newfound money. And it, um, it, it's difficult to, to control uh, some of the, the urges to make purchases on 
certain things when, when you have this newfound money and it, it takes discipline to continue to reinvest in your business. Um, uh, sometimes you, you know, you wish for things, uh, and it, sometimes they be careful what you wish for. And it comes to a point where I, uh, even when you did my bio, I didn't even know you, you know, it seemed like you weren't talking about me, but, um, <laughs> I'm I'm dealing. That's what I'm trying to get out of that book. Probably the last yeah. good book I, I read a couple of months ago. I think it's an older book. It's called The Secrets of the Temple, and it just describes how the Federal Reserve works in, in the country. I'm I'm very interested in in macroeconomic uh, views and theories, and see how they trickle down to everyday business. Um, that was a very good book, The Secrets of the Temple. Secrets of a Temple. That sounds like a good yeah. one. I'm writing that one down, so yeah. we could check it's that out. Um, all right, so that sounds that sounds good to me. I'm curious about the Wolf of Wall Street, Michael, because I actually did work on Wall Street, and I probably met a lot of wolves out there, but it was <laughs> such an exciting time in my life. I just... I was doing it when, you know, Wall Street was booming, and it was a lot, a lot of fun. But um, times do change, and um, I just wanted to mention something. It's so funny that you should talk about, you know, when people become successful, it's just like um, all those people that went out and got gastric bypass surgery, and they went from weighing, you know, 300 pounds to all of a sudden weighing 100 and something pounds. And it's so strange that they look at themselves in the mirror and they don't know who they're looking at. And it's really hard for them to become um, kind of, they've got, to re, they've got to become familiar with who they are again. It's the strangest thing. Um, and I can understand it, not that I'm heavy or anything like that, Michael. My, readers are pro- <laughs> my listeners are probably thinking like, oh my God, how, how much does she really weigh? But no, it's not like that. But I guess what I'm trying to get at is that at one point in my life, um, my first husband had passed away. I always bring that up because it was such a, a, a big part of my life. But the thing is, I can just remember when he had passed away that the day after the funeral, you're getting through all of your emotions and everything. But Michael, do you know what one of the hardest parts of that whole process was? The fact that I was responsible for our life savings now. It was something that he always took care of. I never had to worry about. But And people think, like, money is good. You need money to live. But it brings upon an awful lot of responsibility. And it's almost like I hear what you're saying. It's almost like you're like, oh, my God, so what am I supposed to do? Can I trust this person to invest my money and everything? So I don't know. I just, that kind of struck a chord with me when you had said, you know, it's hard trying to, you know, accept the fact that you're successful now and how, how it's going to change your life and how you're going to keep a handle on it. So I don't know. It's just a fascinating concept to me because everybody wants to be successful, wants to be successful. And then uh, what do you do when it happens, you know? Right, and that, that some of the personal issues that I'm dealing with now is I'm trying to get my life on an even keel because ever since I got into business and ever ever since I got involved in in my own business, I basically had blinders on, and and it was I would I would not let myself get 
deterred by anything. And then you reach a certain point in your life. Now I have, I have two children and I just built a wonderful home. And you reach this point where you're like, well, you know, how much is enough? And when do you start enjoying? And when do you stop reinvesting in your business? And, and from 20 million, do, do I want to go to 40 million? Do I want to have a hundred million dollar company? And there, there are sweet spots too that I'm, that I'm realizing with, with grosses, you know, people throw around gross numbers loosely. Um, and in my, my business, I'm trying to find now this sweet spot. And it's kind of weird that I talk about it in millions, but, uh, some, sometimes, uh, like, uh, you can run a $15 million company and make more money than if you're running a, a $30 million company, because now you just need that much more uh, of a wheel to run a $30 million company. So your, your margins may actually decrease and you could end up with less of a net profit. So I think these are some of the issues I'm dealing with now. I'm dealing with, you know, estate planning and financial planning and what to do with the money, where to put the money, uh, how much do I reinvest in the business? How much, how much time now do I devote to myself and my family? And where is that sweet spot? Cause I, I don't think that I want to just create a hundred million dollar company and make the same amount of money that I'm making with a $20 million company and doing three times the amount of work and, and, and having a heart attack. Right. Well, it's so funny, Michael. I feel bad. I don't remember the guy talking this morning because I was half sleeping at five o'clock in the morning. It was one of those infomercials. And the guy was saying how, you know, I think he had something to do with the secret, um, the book, the secret, but how he owned 60 companies throughout. And he looked like a pretty young guy. But the thing is, I was saying to myself, even if he was making, you know, multi-millions of dollars, Imagine all the work just incorporating 60 companies, and I agree with you. So you have 60 companies, and you make whatever he, he made, let's just say, you know, $250 million. It doesn't matter. You could do it with, you know, two or three companies. So I think you're right. At a certain point, you just got to kind of decide, so what's it all about, and what do I really want to get out of life? Does that make sense, Michael? <laughs> it does. It does. And and a key, a key thing, in, in once the operation, I mean, if anybody's listening and they're developing an operation or they're re- reaching a point where they're planing off, um, I've refocused recently on efficiencies within my company to help me kind of find that, quote-unquote, sweet spot. And what I've done is, you know, I've reached out to my employees um, on the management level, uh, and, and we have big picture conversations because I feel that uh, if employees understand the impact of their performance on the company as a whole and why their performance, their daily task, is, is just such an important link to the company's uh, uh, overall success and they understand the direction of the company, then um, they're going to internalize that. So, so, so sometimes you can't just throw extra money at somebody or bonus them. I mean, I, I, I did that, and it, and it works, and I still do it if, you know, if a job comes in under budget or before schedule and, and it's profitable, I'll give the project manager bonuses, structures. But uh, now I've, I've gone to the next level of having executive meetings with them and, and having their input on the big picture and the big direction of the company, and they kind of internalize the company as, 
as it's their own. They, uh, you know, I've, I've included them in, in a lot of meetings that me and my general manager would just have alone. Now we have with our project management team. Yeah, I think it's very motivating because you know what, John? A lot of those people, I go back to that great interview I had with Jeff Leventhal. I remember him saying something very, very similar. Some people are happy only making $70,000 a year. That's all they need in life. You know, they have their simple, you know, life. They love their family. They love their kids. And that's all they want to aspire to be. But the thing is, when you pull in management into big meetings, you know what? It's not just about the money. All of a sudden, they feel that, you know what? This is my life. I'm investing my life in by coming to work, working 10, 12 hours a day for your company, and I'll tell you, they walk away feeling like, wow, I just contributed a lot. And sometimes it's not always about the money. So I agree with you, and um, they take pride in it. And when everybody in the company takes pride in their work, I think that has a lot to do with the bottom line and your success. Yeah, that, that's, that's going to be an area of focus uh, for the next coming year, uh, internal efficiencies. Um, and and my, my sweet spot may end up being 15. I may reduce my gross. I may walk away from certain projects uh-huh. just, to, just to find, once I find that sweet spot, if, if I ever find it, the quest of the sweet spot right now is, <laughs> uh-huh. um, I, I may just remain there and, and, and heal off at the comp, uh, heal, heal the company off at, at that moment. And, and like you said, I have many employees that are extremely happy uh, making between seventy and a hundred thousand dollars a year. That that this is their career, this is their life. They 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 have an enjoyable, stable um, job. That, that's really what they're looking for. The, the, the mentality of those people um, is phenomenal. They they're just looking for stability. And yeah. if you can include them somehow in the company's direction. Now they, they have more of an investment uh, in their daily tasks. It's, not, no, it's no longer a daily task. It's for a, for, for a bigger, greater cause. It, it's enabling them to have the stability that they so sure. quest. Well, Michael, I have to tell you, this is why I had you as a guest on my show, because when I was talking to you, I just, in my mind, you pay it forward so, so much by offering all of these employees, over 200 of them, stability. And in these times, in these economic times, you know, it really is a gift to have a job nowadays. And you provide that to so many people. So I want to thank you again, you know, for paying it forward. And we're coming up to our last segment in just a few minutes. So thanks again, Michael. And we'll talk to you in just a few minutes. We'll be right back with more Paying It Forward with Josephine Jirasi right after these on Toginet.com. Being frugal doesn't mean being cheap, and the Frugalitarian is here to show you how. Jody Olson is the Frugalitarian on Toginet, 3 p.m. Central, Wednesdays. This is the art of great living. It's just a matter of time before people start asking you to tell them your secrets to better style, bargains on food, home decor, and clothing. Your wants don't have to change, just how you acquire what you want. On the Frugalitarian, it's an uncommon mix of style, fashion savvy, and earth friendly, showing you great taste, great style, and great 
great ideas for finding everything you want for nearly nothing. I'm speaking from experience. I live on a beautiful farm where I take care of sheep and do a few light farm chores for extremely low rent. For more clever ideas on how to waste not and totally want not, go to thefrugalitarian.com. Join us every week for more information on how you can live better for less with Jody Olson. It's The Frugalitarian, Wednesdays at 3 p.m. Central on toginet.com. Celebrate Green is coming to Toginet, Wednesdays at noon Central Time, starting November 4th. The mother-daughter team of Lynn and Corey will have you going green and loving it in no time at all. As heard on Martha Stewart and Disney Radio and seen blogging for HGTV, Lynn Colwell and Corey Colwell-Lipsum are unapologetic evangelists for greening every aspect of life, especially holidays and celebrations. Based on their book, Celebrate Green, they're putting the meaning in the greening with their simple, fun, eco-friendly, affordable ideas. From their start with green Halloween to tips, tricks, ideas, and projects for every holiday, you'll love Celebrate Green. You can check them out online, too, at CelebrateGreen.net and GreenHalloween.org for more information, the newsletter, the blogs, places to shop, cool extras, and so much more. So get ready to Celebrate Green, the radio show with Lynn and Corey, Wednesdays at noon Central Time, starting November 4th on Toginet.com. Welcome back to Paying It Forward, the show dedicated to helping every entrepreneur be more successful as we discuss accomplishments, lessons learned, and sharing those ideas. Now, let's get back to Paying It Forward with Josephine Jurassi on toginet.com. Well, hello, everyone. Um, I'm sure Michael, my guest, cannot believe how fast this um, hour went. We're on our last segment of Paying It Forward, and uh, Michael's has already offered such great business tips. But now we're really going to get serious, Michael, and I'm really going to pick your brain about some stuff. So um, what I like to do is um, I, I'm going to take just a few minutes before um, the end of the show because I have to let our listeners know. Michael, I have um, Scott McIntyre as my guest next week. How exciting is that? He is one of the finalists for, the, um, for American Idol. And next week what's happening is TogiNet Radio is having American Idol Week. And so many of the radio hosts are actually going to have guests from um, American Idol. So it'll be a lot, a lot of fun. So if anybody wants any more information about American Idol Week on TogiNet Radio, please go to www.toginet.com to get that info. So, Michael, I managed to squeeze it in <laughs> instead of waiting to the last minute. But anyway, um, okay, Michael, so this is my question to you. You've already given us some great tips. Um, can you give me your best tip as far as sales goes? I mean, you've already given us a tip that when it comes to your salespeople, motivating them with money is always a good thing. Is there anything else you could tell us about sales so anybody can apply this tip to their own business? Um, I don't call it sales. Uh, sales somewhat, in my mind, has a, a bit of a negative connotation, and people kind of shy away from that word. Um, I, I, I call it business development right now. I've, I've changed my uh, category category of sales to business development. I like and that, Michael. That sounds good. <laughs> business development. Okay. Business development. And um, 
I've, I've noticed in my industry, I, I don't know about any others, but in my industry, business development and personal relationships um, are of utmost importance. If you are uh, constantly in contact and even even on a social level, as, as you know, sometimes there's conflicts of interest, so you, you can't cross that line. However, if you're developing friendships because you're working on a project together with, with your client, um, you can. There's so many. There's an array of different ways to to socialize with them and and constantly uh, be in their thoughts. Um, then you're developing your business because now that client not only are they satisfied with the particular job you're doing for them at the moment, uh, then they're genuinely going to like you um, if you take it to a social setting. Uh, so you know, play golf with them, go fishing with them, find find out. Some of the things they like, ask a lot of questions, have them give you a lot of answers. They, they don't want to know about what you like, and they don't want to know. They're not really that interested in you. They, they, they want people to be interested in them. So focus in on each one of your clients' likes and dislikes, and think about ways you can develop that relationship with them based on their likes and their dislikes. And it, you, ca- you have to almost be a chameleon in this because um, I've... I've run into clients that, you know, like to golf. So now you got to go take golf lessons and invite them on a golf outing. <laughs> <laughs> That's so you, funny. You, you become multifaceted because you're you're catering to their needs and and their likes. And and also every time the conversation with this client is, it's always about them because the better you make them feel, the more interested in them you make them feel, the more interested in the service you're providing. For them, that should be always your focus of conversation. So um, that's my sales Michael, tip. That's really I how I. I just want to say one thing. You're so smart about um, the whole concept of having to go out and play golf. So when we ha- you have young children like I do, and it's so funny because I try to get my kids involved in lots of different things, even like learning to play the guitar. They have the interest. Uh, they're still a little young for it, but I'm going to move that way. But it's so important to have um, to have these talents because you never know when it comes comes out. And I'll never forget being in Manhattan once and being at a client dinner, and there was a piano there, and the piano player was playing, and they asked, you know, if anybody would like to play something. And there, one of my clients got up and played the most incredible, incredible tune on the on the piano, and it just brought the whole entire business deal to a, to a new level. It was right. just, it, it's so funny how it works out. So I think you're so right about, you know, sharing, you know, having lots of different talents. So we need to teach our kids how to play golf while they're little Michael <laughs> so they can impress Or you could take clients. it, I mean, I've, I've taken it to the next level where, Let's assume you just don't have the time or the interest in their particular interest. I've researched their interest. Like if you talk to somebody who likes, I don't know, offshore fishing, I'll go and I'll get all the books on offshore fishing because I know the next time I see that client, I'm going to have an interesting conversation. I'm going to be prepared for an interesting conversation and something that he likes to talk about. So I've, I've taken it to like this research level in catering to their personal likes, and, and that might make me stand out the next time they're thinking about a project that they may they may think about me that might give me the competitive edge 
That's such a smart point. And um, Michael, I'll tell I'll tell you one thing for our li- listeners to um, what I do. A little tip is as a mom, and I really I run my house, I run my business, I run the three kids. My husband works hard. There's only so many t- hours in the day, and whereas I used to sit down and I used to read the Wall Street Journal, the New York Times from cover to cover. Forbes magazine, Fortune magazine, the whole thing, Michael. I was, you know, so business focused. But now my there's only so many hours in the day and I can't get to reading the paper. But I will tell you, if I have a business meeting that day, no matter what, I will make sure I sit down and read that paper from cover to cover because it's so important to also just stay on top of current events so that you have something Correct. to communicate, you know, with your clients. All right, so we got business development down. So, Michael, what other tips? How about social media? Are you involved in that at all? Facebook, Twitter, do you use that for your business? It doesn't sound like it's really necessary in your business. No, no, not at all. Um, How do you do advertising or marketing or anything like that? Um, It's all personal development. It's all business development with... with, uh, Face to face. Okay. One of the big developments that that I've that I've learned is a, a lot of my clients like the fact that uh, I'm on site a lot. So I've <clears throat> um, focused on creating a back office that doesn't. I'm, I'm not going to make money sitting at the desk if if my personality is my strong point. So I need to be out there, and and when I'm out there, and clients see me on site, and they see me managing men, and I do a lot of site visits, that kind of sells the company because they see that uh, I'm, I'm really involved in the, in the day-to-day field operations. So what I've learned is to focus, focus all of my energies on what I'm good at. You know, I'm not going to load a truck because it's a medial task, and I may be good at loading a truck, but I'm much better at getting in front of a client and conversing with him or going to a job site and having him see me at the job site, putting in my heart and soul into his work. And I've taken that also to my my people. If if I see that somebody's good at something, I'll, I'll move them around. I'll move. I'll change their title. I've I've moved management around to different uh, tasks just based on what they're good at. So you know, I guess that's a tip: is is focus your time on what you're good at. I see too many small business owners trying to do everything and trying to micromanage every aspect of their business. And you can do that, and you can make a living. However, you'll never grow the company uh, if you don't focus on your strength. Yeah, I think that that's so important, Michael. And, you know, either you hire people who, and it's not only what you're good at, but what you don't like to do. Because sometimes, you know, I'm a great accountant, but you know what, Michael? I dread doing those books. I really do. <laughs> I really do. And one of the smartest moves I did this year was I hired the most incredible financial person. She comes in. She tells me, just put everything in one envelope. She comes in once a month. I hand her the envelope, and all of a sudden, my checkbook's balance, My bills are paid, and it is the best feeling, and it's worth every single penny. So... Sometimes it's, you know, outsource what you don't like to do and capitalize on what you really, really do enjoy doing because, like you said, you're the face of the business and it really, really does show. So, I agree. Um, and and that, with, that, with that newfound time, uh, 
you can either reinvest it in the business or you can relax and, and, and regroup for the next day. You know, how many nights have I spent here doing just that? What you said, my books. And, you know, in the beginning, I was doing all my own accounting and, and I'd stay at work until 11 o'clock and have to be back at work at, you know, six. That, that's not healthy either. I think you're so right. And um, it's just so important as entrepreneurs that we do take the time because life is short and it's not all about work. And, you know, seeing our children grow grow up is just so important because we can never get that time back. So it's just, it's not easy. It's actually pretty tough as an entrepreneur. But Michael, I want to say thank you again. We just have another couple of minutes left, about a minute and a half left to our show. But um, you've been such an inspiration to a lot of business owners out there. I'm sure you gave some great, helpful tips, um, which I love. I think you pay it forward once again by having a successful business in such a hard time right now and giving so many of your employees a nice, secure environment, which is absolutely wonderful. So I just want to mention... um, we, um, Stacey Kannenberg is the ready-to-learn mom, and she's up next. Her show goes from 11 to 12, and she's actually going to have Laura from the Board Book Albums um, on her show. And um, let's see, Laura, yeah, and Melinda from Womentors, that's like a mentor. They're all going to be talking about mom entrepreneurship, and that should be a lot of fun. But anyway, I had so much fun, Michael. I hope you enjoyed the show. I did. I, yeah, it worked out well. And um, I just wish you all the luck in your business. It doesn't seem like you need any luck. It seems like you should be very proud of yourself that within five short years, you've become such a success. So I want to thank you again for paying so many lessons forward to my listeners today. And... Um, thanks again, Michael. So enjoy your week, listeners, and I'll see you again next week. Thank you for being a part of Paying It Forward with Josephine Girasi on Togginet.com. This show is dedicated to helping every entrepreneur be more successful. Each week we'll be discussing accomplishments, lessons